Thank you so much for checking out the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon. We invite you to stop by www.cccch.org to find out more about our church and to make plans to visit us on a Sunday morning. You know, as we close out this series this morning, I've um, been thinking a lot about this summer as we've been focusing on the real God and the characteristics of God. And I don't know about you, but maybe you can relate. The thing I still struggle with throughout this series is kind of where we started at in, from day one back on Father's Day. It's that my experiences, my perspective doesn't always line up with what I see of how God has revealed himself to us in his word. It doesn't always line up with the characteristics of God. For instance, there's days that I don't always feel loved, and I don't see love in the world, yet God is love. There's days that I experience injustice, or we see injustice all around us, yet God is just. We see the, the good suffer, we see the wicked prosper, yet God is good and God is holy. This world, many days, if not every day, feels out of control, yet God is sovereign and he's in control. I don't know about you, but I'm still wrestling with that throughout this summer. And every week, even as I study and teach and hear others teach, and J.K. did a great job last week talking about the love of God, I'm still wrestling with that because my experiences don't always line up with how God has revealed himself to us. You know, as we've been saying throughout this summer, we can really know the real God by reading his word because he has primarily revealed himself to us through his word. But this morning, as we look at this final characteristic of God, his faithfulness, what we're going to see is this, is that if God isn't faithful, all the other characteristics we can throw out. If God isn't faithful, we can throw this out. We we don't even have anything to do with it. Because if God isn't faithful, then this means nothing to us. It means nothing to anyone. It's so important that God is faithful. Every other characteristic of God hinges on the fact that he's faithful. So what do we mean by faithful? Well, it's our big idea for this morning. If there's one thing that we can take away from this message, one thing that you can write down if you're at home, you can take a screenshot of your screen, whatever it is, here in service, take a picture of the screen. Here it is. It's this. It's that God never fails and follows through always. God never fails and follows through always. So what we mean by that is that God is faithful, meaning he will never fail to keep any of his promises. He'll never fail. He he never has and he never will. And it also means that he will follow through to keep all his promises. Even if it hasn't happened yet in our life, he will follow through. He always has, and we can be confident that he always will. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to go to one of the first promises that God gave to his people, specifically to a guy named Abraham, who's the father of the nation of Israel, the father of the people of God. And this promise is not only for Abraham, this promise is something that we can hold on to today. And if God's been faithful to keep this promise, we can be confident that he's able to keep his promises to us today, that he'll be faithful. 
So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 15. You can pull up on your phone. At home, the verses are going to be up on the screen, and the verses are going to be up on the screen here in the worship center throughout the morning. And as you're turning there, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 15, verse 7. So let me summarize verses 1 through 6 for us in, in just a second. What's happening here is that Abraham is 85 years old. His wife Sarah is 75 years old. Ten years prior, God made a couple promises to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I'm going to give you and Sarah a son, a boy. And I'm going to, from that son, you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. You're going to have tons and tons and tons of kids and grandkids and great-grandkids. You can't even keep track of them. And third promise, I'm going to give you a land to enjoy for all of those kids, all of those grandkids. You're going to enjoy it all. Well, that was 10 years ago, and Abraham and Sarah still don't even have a son. So verses 1 through 6, God reaffirms this promise with Abraham. The first two, he says, I'm going to give you a son, and you're going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so verse 7, where we pick up, confirms this last promise that God has for Abraham. So read with me here. Verse 7, chapter 15, says this. He, talking about God, also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And so the Lord said to him, well, Bring me a heifer, which is a baby cow, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham brought all these to him. He cut them in two, and he arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Kind of strange scene going on here. So let's see if we can visualize this. What Abraham has been called to do by God is get these different animals and, and kill them. Now, I'm not going to tear my kids' stuffed animals in half. I don't have to explain myself as to why I would not tear my kids' stuffed animals in half. But you can just imagine that the, these are in half. So he's got the baby cows. He's got, he's got the rams on each side. And then he's got, we'll call this one the, the goat, even though it's not really a goat. We'll put that one there too. And then we got, we got the little birds, right? We got the little birds. Those didn't have to get ripped up in half. And so the reason that this takes place is because in that culture, when, say, two people would um, it be in a battle and they would win together and defeat maybe other foreign armies, they would have new land to, to conquer and take over. And they would divide up the land, and in order for them to make sure that one person wasn't going to come on their side of the land and one person was going to come on their side of the land, they would make a covenant, a promise, a contract. And they couldn't sign on the dotted line. They didn't have 50 you know, pages to initial on the bottom of each page. And so in this culture, this is what they would do. They would kill the animals. They would split them in half. And then the two people would walk hand in hand next to each other. And with the other hand, they would light the animals on fire. And after they walked through it, the, the covenant, the promise, the contract was sealed. It was done. And the reason that they did this, it signified that if one of those people broke that promise or broke that contract, they would then have the same fate as the animals who had just been slaughtered and burnt. This is a serious thing that God is doing with Abraham. He's letting him know, this is a big deal what I'm saying to you. This promise means a lot. I'm going to show you in the most serious 
way that I will not fail you. I will follow through on my promise. And so Abraham does it. Now, it didn't take him 10 seconds to pull animals out of a basket and line them up so cute and nicely. It takes a little bit of time to be able to find animals and slaughter them and, and separate them. And so maybe it takes him a couple hours, not really sure. But then look what happens here in verse 11. It says this, Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abraham drove them away. Well, you and I know what happens when we leave meat out too long. Flies start getting around it, right? Forgot to get the burgers on the grill. All of a sudden you see some bugs by it. And you've seen, it, you've seen roadkill on the side of the road, and you're like, ooh, and you kind of see the birds going down eating that. It, it takes a while, though, for the animal to get like that. It takes a while for those birds to come down and smell it and want to enjoy their feast. So Abraham goes through all this trouble, takes a couple hours to do this perfectly, and then he waits. And then he's got to get the birds off because they're trying to eat it. And he's like, no, 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 this is serious. You can't do this. And he's waited 10 years. God tells him exactly what to do. He does it. And then God is silent. He's waiting some more. I don't know about you, but maybe you've felt like this in this season. You know, God, we've been at it for six months now in this pandemic. God, I, I've been faithful. I've been, I've been trying to obey you. I've been, I've been getting into the word more. And you know what? I, I've, been, I've been praying more. And I, I've tried to be more generous with my time. And I've been focused more on my family. And I'm shifting my priorities. God, don't you see? I'm being obedient. Can you not see what I have done, God? But where are you? Because the bills are starting to pile up. Because I've been searching for a job for a couple months and I haven't found it yet. God, school's about to start. We, we reprioritized your family. We, we refocused on you so that we could move forward with some more margin. But now you're going to take that away because all the kids are going to be at home. And my wife and I, or my husband and I, we can't do this working at home and having the kids at home. And God, what are you doing? God, we've been waiting for you. God, it seems like you failed. God, it seems like you're not following through on your promise. God said, I've done all of this. Where are you at? God, it seems like you're silent. It's been six months for us. We feel that. It's been 10 years for Abraham. But look how God kindly responds to him in verse 12. It's really, really interesting. Here it is. It says this. As the sun was setting, a couple more hours to wait, <laughs> still waiting, Abraham fell into a deep sleep. And a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. God puts him to sleep over there on the side. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. It doesn't feel like a great blessing, a great promise I want for my descendants, yet we do know, book of Exodus, the people of Israel are enslaved and mistreated by the nation of Egypt for about 400 years. Verse 14, but I will punish the nation. We see that happening to Pharaoh. They serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. See that happening? Israelites leave Egypt, get into the wilderness and the promised land. You, however, Abraham, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. You won't get to see all the ancestors, all the descendants, Abraham, but you won't have to go through this. Verse 16, 
And then in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. A lot to go in that second part of that last verse, and I'm not going to jump into it, but fourth generation, he's talking about Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. Jacob has 12 kids, one of them is Joseph. Joseph is a part of the plan to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt and back to the promised land. So we see in all those verses, God is going to be faithful. We know it to be true that God was faithful to Abraham, but Abraham's still in that moment. He doesn't even have a son. He's been waiting 10 years and a day. And then look what happens here in verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. Wait a second. Abraham's still over by the tree sleeping. He's supposed, to, he's supposed to walk hand in hand with, with God through this. They're going to do this covenant together. But yeah, in verse 18, God says that the covenant's been finalized. It's done. I've made it with you, Abraham. Implications is that God is the one that walked through. Abraham had nothing to do with it. The, the smoking torch and the, the fire pot are different ways that God has revealed himself to his people. We know in the, the book of Exodus, God reveals himself to the people of Israel as they journey through the wilderness by day in a cloud of smoke and by night in a cloud of fire. This is the way that God has revealed himself to his people over the years. And so this smoking fire pod, torch thing, whatever it is, it comes through and it, it burns all the sacrifices. And the covenant's been made. Now, if the covenant's broken... If someone doesn't hold up their side of the bargain, there's blood that's going to have to be shed. Yet there's only one person whose blood has to be shed. It's the one that walked through. And if you remember, there was a time when we lived in the year 2020 that didn't involve COVID-19. I don't know if you remember it, but it was like January and February. And we were in a series here at our church called Authentic Faith. And in this series, we talked about the heroes of our faith that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame chapter of our Bibles. And what we saw time and time again, that these heroes of the faith failed. They weren't obedient to God. They didn't hold up their side of the, the contract, the covenant, the promise with God. They were disobedient and they did not worship God and they worshiped other false gods. And so blood had to be shed. 2,000 years ago, blood was shed. When Jesus, God's son, lived a perfect life and he died a gruesome death on the cross to take the punishment for my sin and for your sin and for the sins of all. But then that, what that meant is this, is that once that blood was shed, this, this promise, this covenant was gone. It was no longer. There was no need to do anything like this because one perfect covenant, one, I'm sorry, one perfect person, one perfect sacrifice took the place of all these animals. And that person was Jesus. And so there's no reason to do any of these things anymore. We don't have to sacrifice animals when we break promise with God, when we disobey God, because Jesus has died in our place. And what the New Testament tells us is that this is the, the new covenant, the new promise that God has for us. Is that when we fall short, when we think we're obeying and yet we realize, ah, I still didn't get it right. There is forgiveness and there's a relationship that can happen by faith 
in Jesus, believing that he died on the cross and rose again. And God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us to remind us that that promise is true, that he will never fail us, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us, that he will follow through. And so we have full confidence this morning that if we believed in that promise by faith, that we can have new life in Jesus Christ right now and forevermore, he's going to be faithful in all the other promises that he has for us in his word. We hope that you've enjoyed today's sermon. Please check us out at www.cccch.org and plan a visit for next Sunday. We would love to see you.